So we have done a series on the book of Acts, different parts of the books of Acts. This is our fourth year in a row. And it, I think if we're ready with a, a map pretty soon, we're going to see that the first, we did it in Jerusalem, was the first seven chapters of Acts. And that was what we did four years ago. Oh, well, we'll start and celebrate church. And then we'll go to Jerusalem to see where Jerusalem is. Um, and then uh, from Jerusalem, so we, the, the second year was how they went out to Judea and Samaria and even started to talk to Gentiles. But then from Jerusalem, they went to Antioch. And last year, we talked about how people went to Antioch and, and became the, there were a great number of people who believed and were saved in Antioch. And then at Antioch, they gathered in worship and prayer and fasting and had God direct Paul and Barnabas to go from Antioch onto a journey. So if we pull out from Antioch, that was what we covered last year, last year is where they went, which was mainly off to the right there where you see that yellow bubble of Galatia. But now, going through there on this second journey, Paul and Silas eventually end up in Macedonia, which Philippi is what we talked about the last two weeks, Lydia's conversion and then Paul and Silas being jailed, but then freed and, and the conversion of the jailer. And now today what we're going to do from Philippi, they went 100 miles to Thessalonica, 95 miles, seacoast Thessalonica, most prosperous and populated city of Macedonia. And then from Thessalonica, they went to Berea, which is about 30-some miles inland, which was another major city, even though it wasn't on the seacoast or the main highway. It was a major city. And we're going to look at the stories of what happened in those two cities, but what we'll see is what is happening when two people or a group of people collectively sending two people, and then the connections that are made at all the places they go, when they say, we're going to go in the name of Jesus. Let's go in the name of Jesus. Let's go encourage. Let's go pray. Let's go do these things in the name of Jesus. So let me read the two uh, the passages about both those trips, starting in Acts 17, uh, verse 1. When Paul and his companions had passed through Amphipolis and Ap Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a Jewish synagogue. As was his custom, Paul went into the synagogue, and on three day, Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Messiah, he said. Some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and quite a few prominent women. But other Jews were jealous. So they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace, formed a mob, and started a riot in the city. They rushed to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out to the crowd. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some other believers before the city officials, shouting, These men who have caused trouble all over the world have now come here, and Jason has welcomed them into his house. They are all defying Caesar's decrees, saying that there is another king, one called Jesus, when they heard this, the crowd and the city officials were thrown into turmoil. Then they made Jason and the others post bond and let them go. As soon as it was night, the believers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. On arriving there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. Now the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures very eager to see, and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. As a result, many of them believed, as did a also a number of prominent Greek women and many Greek men. 
But when the Jews in Thessalonica learned that Paul was preaching the word of God at Berea, some of them went there too, agitating the crowds and stirring them up. The believers immediately sent Paul to the coast, but Silas and Timothy stayed at Berea. Those who escorted Paul brought him to Athens and then left with instructions for Silas and Timothy to join him as soon as possible. This is the reading of God's word. Thanks be to God. Now, when you're putting together a series on Acts, it would be easy to just go with the headings. So there's different headings for sections and say, okay, well, we'll do a Sunday on this heading and a Sunday on this heading. So we would do one Sunday on Thessalonica and then another Sunday on Berea because those are the headings. But as Luke tells us this story, it is pretty clear that we're meant to compare these two cities and what happened in these two cities. So let me uh, show why. Verse 4 It says, some of the Jews were persuaded. This is in Thessalonica, by the way. Some of the Jews there were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and quite a few prominent women. Then, uh, verses later, now that we're in Berea, it says, verse 12, as a result, many of them, many of them, that's the Berean Jews, so some of the Thessalonian Jews, Thessalonian Jews, some, but many of the Berean Jews believed, as did also a number of prominent Greek women and many Greek men. So that, that Greek men came to faith, true in both places. That prominent women came to faith, and just as an aside, there are a few passages in the New Testament that, that people would point to to say, well, should women teach in the church? Should they hold leadership positions in the church? And there are a few passages that we would have to wrestle with. But overwhelmingly, the, especially when you think of the context of this time, and whether you're talking about the Jewish culture or you're talking about the Greek culture, or you're talking about the Roman culture, the New Testament, starting with Jesus, is elevating women is saying women are to be influential in the faith. It's saying, look at these women. And so here, it doesn't mention anything about prominent men. But it says there's prominent, influential women here. Take note, in both cities, influential women. It's just one of many examples of how the New Testament's elevating women. But that's not what our main point is today. Back to the comparison. So we've got the same things, and then it's talking about, well, how did the Jews respond to Paul and Silas and the message they were bringing? And in Thessalonica, some of the Jews responded positively. But in Berea, many of the Jews responded positively. And then verse 11 makes even more clear that there's a comparison going on. Verse 11 says, now the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica. I mean, it is just an explicit comparison. For they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. So what I'd like to do is just using this verse 11, make five comparisons of what we read before about the Thessalonica church, particularly the the Jewish ones, the the religious ones, the ones that were following God, attending the synagogue weekly, those Jews compared to the Berean ones. So the first thing that we see is that the Berean Jews were of more noble character. Okay, verse 5 talking about the Thessalonican Jews says, but other Jews were jealous. So they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace, formed a mob, and started a riot in the city. They rushed to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out to the crowd. 
So they were jealous. They're so jealous. Well, let me just say this. Rarely do I hear people say, you know, I struggle with jealousy. I'm just, I'm a jealous person. I get jealous. That's not really, jealousy is usually pretty invisible to ourselves. Now, we may not like another person. We may resent another person. We may put down other people or people groups. We may all of that. But we don't think of ourselves usually as envious or jealous. Now, jealousy is one of the main words, descriptions of what it said about the people who decided to put Jesus on the cross. Envy is one of the, is the main description of the people who decided to stone Stephen and make him the first martyr on behalf of the faith, of, of Christian faith. So we want to be careful about envy and jealousy because what it does usually is destroy. What it did here is it rounded up a mob that started a riot. Who controls a riot? What happens during a mob and riot? It's usually not good. It's usually destruction. It's usually irrational, cannot be reasoned with. And that's what they did. And so a question I've had over the years that I come back to is, am I jealous? Is there anything I'm jealous of? Now, I'm not going to think of myself as jealous. So what might be a signal that I could be jealous? Am I content? Am I content? Or do I resent other people, what other people have? So, what we have now, I, I think what I find is that people, one of the reasons that people might not say, or I might not say that I'm jealous, is because I might point to, like, well, there's just this one part of this person's life that, boy, they're lucky. Another poor person's life, that one part of their life, I wish I had that, wish I could do that, wish that my situation was more like theirs. And then you put them all together and I am not content and I am quickly resentful or downputting of other people. What we're describing is social media, right? Which would explain why all the studies say anxiety, depression, unhappiness is just like, like a spike went up since the, the um, more than half of, of people in the country had smartphones. So actually jealousy and covetedness and things like that are like encouraged through advertising, through all of that. And if we're not aware of it, if we're blind to it, we could be jealous and not know it. I would rather be described accurately, if it was accurate, I would rather it be that I'm a noble person than that I'm a jealous person. And noble, how that word is uh, very closely connected to other words in the Bible, is well-pleased. Like when, when God says about his son, with him I'm well-pleased, it's, it's that same connected word of noble. Like, they are people who were well-pleased. Am I a person who's learning to be content in every and any situation? That's what Paul wrote to the Philippians, the, the, the church we talked about last week. That's what he wrote in his letter. I have learned to be content in any and every situation. I got to keep going, but that is comparison number one. Back to chapter 11. Now the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. So they eagerly received the message, or they received the message with great eagerness. That was them. Now let's go to verse uh, 
2 and 3, what was that message? This is in the church of Thessalonica. As was his custom, Paul went into the synagogue, and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and proving that the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Messiah, he said. There's the message. Jesus came, and he suffered and died. And in the Old Testament scriptures, if you look at them the way Paul shows here and here and here and here, and Jesus had done the same thing, it says, when he was living here in the Gospel of Luke, and in, in John, you can find another verse where he's saying, like, the scriptures point to me, and the scriptures say the Messiah must come, must suffer, must die, and will rise again. So he's saying he found that in the, in the Old Testament. And now, now um, Paul's bringing that to these people, and they, what is their response to that message? We know the response of the Bereans. They received it with great eagerness. Here's the response of uh, the Thessalonians, verse 7. And Jason has welcomed them in, into his house. They are all defying Caesar's decrees, saying that there is another king, one called Jesus. Nope. Jesus is not the Messiah. Now, many of us, maybe most of us sitting here, if we consider ourselves Christians, would say, well, yes, Jesus is the Savior. Jesus is, and we'll say that. But do we with our hearts say, with eagerness, Jesus is Savior, he's who I need and I keep needing, he's the one who saves and rescues me, he's the one who grants me forgiveness, and Jesus is Lord, because him as Messiah is Savior and Lord, which means he knows best, and I need to surrender to him and try to live the way he wants me to. And I want to do that with eagerness because I actually trust what he wants is best and what he says is best. It's not always feel that way to me, but that's what I believe. And that's what I'm learning. Next one, back to verse 11. Now, the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. Now, these next three points I'm going to make, um, really, Camille helped me. I, on Thursday, I was saying, I'm just struggling. There's something about the scripture here, and there's something about the scripture I think we should do, but I'm just struggling with it. And she looked at it for, you know, half hour after my five days or whatever it was and came up with like, well, I didn't see that. No, I didn't see that. Neither did the three commentaries I wrote. But anyway, um, so that, that, these next points I'm going to make. So to see if what Paul said is true, what they, what they were looking to is, it was the, just the Old Testament for them at that time, but this is where we get authority. If what he says is true, then it should match what's in here. What did, what did the Thessalonians, where were they were appealing for authority? Acts 17, 6 and 7. Oh, I better read it over here. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some other believers before the city officials, shouting, these men who have caused trouble all over the world have now come here. So they went to the city officials, and Jason has welcomed them into this house. They are all defying Caesar's decrees, saying that there is another king, one called Jesus. Oh, that's not it. There it is, verse 8. When they heard this, the crowd and the city officials, crowd and city officials, were thrown into turmoil. Then they made Jason and others post bond and let them go. When we are looking for what's going to give us more authority, one of the things we look at is what do the polls say? Because the polls say what the crowd's saying. So the more, poll, you know, the more we can get what the crowd is saying, that's where we're going to come from our authority. 
or from this person in power or from this person in influence. And we are going to appeal to human authority to help support our case, to help win our argument, to get our way. But this is sort of an afterthought. And when this is used to support our case, it's like all we're doing is trying to get information out here that will help us, uh, that will agree with what we already believe. So, I would suggest that it's helpful not just for people to examine the scriptures, because sometimes we examine the scriptures to just use for our own ends, but to allow the scriptures to examine us. That we aren't just reading them or listening to teach on them so that we can get more information, but that it, we can be transformed to be more like the people that Jesus wants us to be. That would be a good thing. I have more to say, but I'm going to keep, keep moving. So the next one, back to verse 11. Now the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness. And So it's them that examine the scriptures every day. I'll just stop right there. They examine the scriptures every day. Now, going back to verse uh, 2, as was his custom, Paul went into uh, the synagogue, and on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the scriptures. So what we, we don't have, maybe they did, maybe they don't, but what was emphasized and what we've got brought to us is that the Berean uh, believers, they examined the scriptures for themselves. They examined the scriptures themselves, whereas the Thessalonican scriptures, they relied on what Paul was saying. What did he teach them? Now, the Bereans were under Paul's teaching too, but they also said, we're going to examine the scriptures for ourselves. That would be the, that would be the difference. Um, so what do you do? Let me give you, and some of us may not, we just may not be able to read very well or often, or that just, we just don't connect with that. I'm going to say again what I've said over the years multiple times. I would encourage you to consider the Lectio 365 app. In the Lectio 365 app, there's a different person that will take a week usually, and you will, they'll have you just kind of pause and center yourself. They'll say a prayer. They will read a psalm, give a little space for you to reflect on the psalm, read a scripture passage for the day, ask you to listen what's the scripture passage to you. They'll give a little comment. They'll guide you in how you might pray for yourself. They'll guide you how you might pray for others. They'll go back to that scripture passage read it again, and then make one more comment, and how are we going to say yes, and then pray toward the end, usually about 10, 10 minutes or so. So I have done that off and on for several years now, and what I would notice when I would do it is that they now have a morning and evening, but when they first started, they just had one, and I liked doing it at night because it just was peaceful. It brought peace to me. But what I would notice is if I did it at night or if I had missed a day and looked back to see what I missed, like more often than not, I would think, man, I really needed to hear that today. Like I lived this way, but this, like it's like God knew and he was going to say like, hey, why don't you pay attention to this because you're going to need this today. And so most of the time what I will do is I'll do it before I even get out of bed now. Or on the rare occasions that I'm eating breakfast by myself, I'll do it then. Or if I don't get to it by then, I'll try to do it when I'm driving in. 
So, this week, what they were doing is questions that Jesus asked. They're doing different scriptures that have a question that Jesus asked and encouraging that we uh, think through what Jesus asked. So, on one of the days, it was um, Jesus talking about judge not and why... Why, do you, why don't you notice the log in your own eye is the question that they were emphasizing. You know, why do you see the speck in someone else's eye and not the log in your own eye? And so I'm at the end of that time like, God, is there, you know, who am I judging right now? I feel like I'm judging anybody. I'm just, you know, bring somebody to mind. Nothing. I, you know, so I, it's like, okay. But what I was trying to do this week is can I bring back that question later on in the day? Can I try to keep it with me? And so I didn't until the evening. Evening, I was like, what was the question of the day? I don't really remember it. What was that? What was that? And then I remembered it. And then I thought about my day and how I was with different people and I, we talked politics. Oh, man. Speck over there, speck over there, speck over there, speck over there. When we, and then I talk about this speck, speck, speck. Oh, I noticed that and that and then. And then the biggest thing, when people are negative, oh, man, I hate it when people are negative. Those dumb people that are negative. Log. God's word can help us to see things that we can't normally see. If we will let the scriptures examine us, and say, what are you saying to me? And I read, read them, and when I just read them on my own, I'm like, yeah, pretty good on this one. Until I take it with me and see like, wow, not even close. But I'll recognize it better next time. Let me tell you, the next day, I was really less likely to say speck, speck, speck. Because I had just, God had cut me to the heart on what I had done the day before. All right. What do we got? Like two more? I don't know. Why don't you bring it back up? What's next? Oh, no, we're not quite there yet. Let's go back to verse 11. One more, one more. Verse 11. What we see in verse 11 is that they examined the scriptures every day, the Berean Jews did. Now going to verse 2 that we had just looked at, what it notes is that Paul came to them on three Sabbath days. So on the Saturday, once a week, the Thessalonica Jews came to hear and examine the scriptures once a week that Paul would give them. But the Berean Jews, because they really believed Jesus... They really believed that he offered another kind of life. They really believed that he could make a difference. They were eager to examine the scriptures every day. Every day. They every day. Not just their individual quiet times even. But that was a different, they had a different culture. So every day. That was the comparison. So I had a dream a few nights ago. And in my dream, uh, I got invited to be part of a some kind of one-time group, and I was supposed to share a little bit. We were probably going to meet for an hour and a half. There were some non-Christians invited. There were some people from different churches invited. Neither wasn't sure how many would come. Maybe 12 to 16 would come. was my impression, and I would have a little part in it where I would talk. So we get there, and it's like, oh, okay, there's about 12 or 16. We should be ready to get started. And then more people came, and more people came, and more people came. All of a sudden, we had like over 100 people. We're like in a gym. And I'm thinking, I'm 
I was getting ready for a little Bible study-ish thing here. What's... So it gets to my part, and I share, and everyone seems to be listening when I share, and I just share for a few minutes. And then I'm about to get done to turn it over to whoever's next, and then I just get back up. And you know, I think that we're actually supposed to just practice this for a few minutes right now, rather than, than just like hear what I said about it. And so it was going to be some sort of listening meditation thing. And I said, so what we're going to, I started to explain what we're going to do. And one woman who was there, who is a prominent Christian leader person, many of you in this room would know who she is. And she just went, <laughs> that kind of took me off guard. But then I start explaining and people are like talking at me, over me. Like I can't get it explained. And finally I get it explained. And so I'm like, okay, now we're going to start. And two people stand up and they are just talking to me and they're just talking about something else. Completely random. And I look over and I'm trying to start the exercise where we are going to meditate on the Lord. And there are people all talking to each other. Now, the, I think the woman in this story who went... <laughs> When I talk about we're going to listen, you know, God speaks, we're going to listen to his, that, that woman would not have done that. I know her. She would have been like, yes, let's do this. But I think what she symbolized, because the church is the bride of Christ, is she symbolized the church. And when we're just getting information, good. When we are being called to listen for ourselves, it's noise, it's distraction, it just doesn't happen in the same way. I don't know if I'm interpreting that dream. I have dreams all the time. Most of them mean nothing except for what I ate or that I have a lot of anxiety. Um, but that one felt like it meant something to me. So let's review quick, because then we're going to try to actually do this. Now we can go to the, the two lists. This is what I just went through. The Thessalonian Jews versus the Berean Jews. We went through the Thessalonians first in the story and then the Berean, and the comparisons are the Thessalonians were jealous. The Jews were jealous, so jealous that it led to, to violence and attacking, and they, didn't, they couldn't even leave it just in Thessalonia. They had to come down to Berea. They had to go the 30 miles to make sure that it didn't happen there. That's what jealousy is. So jealous versus noble. The Thessalonians, some of the, many of the Thessalonian Jews rejected Jesus and the message of him as Messiah, whereas the Bereans received him. The Thessalonians' human authority is what they appealed to compared to the Bereans' scripture authority. The Thessalonian Jews' scripture once a week. The Berean Jews' scripture every day. The Thessalonian Jews' someone else teaching. The Berean Jews' examining for themselves. So, you can leave that list up there for just a sec. Which, list, which side of the list is more true of you? There's something powerful about God's word. I mean, you start at the beginning of the Bible, he speaks creation into existence. Everything is held together by the power of his word. His word brings life. We need his word. And it matters how we look at his word or listen for his word, if we do it with a humble heart, a submissive heart, a surrendered heart, a seeking heart, or not. But it matters. So, what I would like to say is let's go 
examine the scriptures and eagerly receive Jesus because the scriptures point to him. Let's actually engage in the scriptures for ourselves and let's practice right now. I'm going to invite the love to help people that are got the handouts to start handing things out. Uh, right now, we're going to look at a passage. I'm going to invite Camille to come up. And we're just going to take like 10 minutes and allow people to look at a passage, allow us all to just look at a passage for ourselves. And we're going to do this um, kind of with four things. We're going to read it. So I'm going to read it all the way through. And some of you may just want to listen. Some of you may want to read. Um, we're going to uh, try to repeat. So as we're reading it through, I'll read it once, Camille will read it once. If there's a, just look at, or look or listen, is there a phrase that you want to just keep repeating? So we're going to leave space for you to do that, finding whatever lifts up for you, and then I'm going to repeat something because sometimes it's helpful for me when I hear someone else repeating something that I haven't even thought of, and then Camille's going to do the same. And then we'll just leave like 30 seconds to a minute to say, and I'm going to keep guiding. You don't have to remember all this, but to say, God, what are you saying to me? Why this? Why this part of your word right now? Why is that what's sticking out to me? What are you saying to me? And then with at least one other person, we're just going to share. And it could be anything from like, I got nothing out of this to, I don't know what it means, but this is the one word or one phrase that stuck out to me to, you know what? I really think God was, you can have more to share. We'll just take a couple minutes to do that. So I have Camille pray, and then we will get started. Father, we thank you for the gift of your word. We thank you for the living word, Jesus. Holy Spirit, we ask right now that you would open our hearts, that we could see, that we could receive Jesus through his word. For those of us who encounter you regularly in the word, would you give us a fresh revelation? And for those of us who encounter your word usually as dry and lifeless, would you breathe life into it today? Would you come, Holy Spirit, would you reveal Jesus through the word? So I'll read now. Pay attention if there's something that seems to rise up in you as I'm reading. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision 
or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So now, I just invite you to pick some part of this passage and just repeat it to yourself, or maybe a couple parts of the passage, and just repeat it to yourself, just for about 30 seconds to a minute. Slowly repeating it. pick one part of this passage and I'm just going to repeat it a few times and then Camille's going to pick a different part of the passage and repeat it a few times. In him was life and that life was the light of all mankind. Through him all things were made. In him was life and that life was the light of all mankind. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. 
He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, He gave the right to become children of God, born of God. He came to that which was his own, and to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, born of God. Now we're just going to take one more minute to reflect. God, what are you saying to us? Would you guide our thoughts, Holy Spirit, just as we keep thinking about part of this passage, would you show us what you're saying? Now, Holy Spirit, would you keep speaking to us even as we hear ourselves sharing more or as we're listening to someone else? In Jesus' name. So now I invite you to talk with one or two other people around you and just simply share if there was a phrase, some aspect of it, some part of what that exercise was for you or what you might have been hearing. The worship team can come back in. About 30 more seconds, so 
if others haven't had a chance to share, you can. We're going to close with one worship song. And before we do, I just want to say, if you are a person who's here and are not sure if you've received Jesus, I want to encourage you to consider doing that. Encourage you to say, Jesus, I want you in my life. I want to be born of God. I want another kind of life in my life. Even if I don't understand it, I sense you're real. I sense you're good. I sense I need you. I want you in my life and just receive him. And then for the rest of us, I would, I would just like to say this. Let's be open to if God wants to birth something new. If God wants to birth something new, then if, you're, if that resonates with you, then that can be part of your prayer. Let's, let's stand. Let's worship Jesus together.